Well, good morning. Hey, why don't we take a moment and share the peace of Christ with one another? It's always fun to be able to type in that chat if you're watching with us live on Facebook, just sharing the peace of Christ, letting one another know that you are there and we are here together worshiping our God. Peace of the Lord be with you all. As we find ourselves this morning in the Word, we're going to be looking at just a couple of verses out of Philippians chapter 4, and they read like this. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious Lord, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you this day to be able to hear it together. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you may encourage, correct, rebuke. God, we thank you that your word is alive and active. And so we receive what you offer this day. Now, God, I ask that you would take these words of mine, that you would turn them from water into wine, Because, God, we know that you take the simple and even foolish things of this world and you do great and mighty things with them. So do that here with us in the hearing of your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I finished a study. It was an eight-week study that I did with about 15 women here in the area and some 10,000 women around the world. It was was online. We found it through Facebook, and um, it was a really great study. It was called Becoming Mrs. Better Half, and you might pick up by the name of it that it had something to do with marriage and uh, <laughs> and indeed it did. Um, but we focused on Philippians chapter 2. If you turn back just a couple pages from what we just read in Philippians chapter 4, you'll find it there with probably with the heading, Imitating Christ's Humility. It was a wonderful study that wasn't about fixing problems. It wasn't about correcting or pointing out flaws. It was really about humbling ourselves, caring for one another, caring for our relationship the way Christ has led by example. It was about being content and even satisfied. The phrase that was used, though, was tickled pink, and it stuck with me. Tickled pink. I mean, it's kind of a fun thing to talk about or even to say, and, and when you think about it, Can you say that you are someone who's content, satisfied, even tickled pink with your life, with your relationships, with your family, with your work, with 
whatever the circumstance. That's what Paul is talking about here in these short verses this morning, that he has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I was able to spend some time with um, Sean's extended family this past week and a half. We were um, at his parents in Delaware, and we were all together. And it was a little different than it normally is because, of course, so many things are shut down. We weren't bustling and hurrying to get everybody home from the beach so that we could get a dip in the pool before we went to the boardwalk. There wasn't all of that rush and that hustle to get from one place to the other. It was just a simple time together where we got to spend all of these days and nights, these meals around the table, time in the kitchen, playing games with the kids, card games, board games, things we hadn't done since we were children. Um, I forgot to mention this in the last, last service, but I rode a bike for the first time in like almost 30 years. It was really wild. <laughs> I remembered. <laughs> I remembered. But it was just so much simpler. It was so much calmer. And we just connected in ways that we haven't in quite a while. You might recall conversations, perhaps you've even had some of them recently, of those simpler times, those times where you got to be out in your neighborhood and until all hours, right, until the street lights came on, or, or maybe when it got dusk, that was when you had to be home. But you could be anywhere, playing with friends at somebody's house, playing in the pond, and, and it was just a simpler time. We weren't worried about making sure our houses were locked or our cars were all locked up. There was a, a more of a trust that happened within our communities. Maybe you remember those times, and hopefully, I know some of you still do because I've talked to some of you grandparents about this, but growing vegetables and being able to eat from your garden, sharing that with grandchildren, remembering canning and doing those types of things that just allowed us to take time to be together. But the way our society is these days, we are inundated with things and, and we have to do things in a certain order. And, and if you aren't playing the right sport, you're not going to get the right scholarship to the right college to get the right job. Instead of realizing that you're not the person who, who is meant to be in college because that's not just the way your mind works. And you're someone who needs to work with your hands. And there are important skills and jobs that you can do. But we're all about the comparison. Who's doing what? How are they doing it? And it's happening even more because we're not just looking down the street to our neighbors, but we're on social media and we are seeing every comparison, every new car, every new home, every new paint color in the kitchen. We're seeing every child in their activities and how we may or may not somehow measure up. It has become so overwhelming just to get ready to go on vacation. Have the new haircut. Get the new outfits. Are they all color coordinated? Do you have everything you need for everyone? Every detail has just become so overwhelming. Comparison. Comparison has this ability to rob us 
of contentment. Instead of being grateful for what we have, we want what everybody else has. And these days, every company, every business, they want you to put it on credit because they want you to have it now, even though that means for you, you'll be paying for it for years and years down the road. And we have so much debt that our families are overwhelmed with because of this comparison. I remember being in, in, uh, right out of college and going to a friend's house And I was sending myself this mixed message, right? I had set myself a budget. I knew what it was I could afford. I knew what it was that I needed to be able to save. But I go to my friend's house and I see their brand new couch and I think, oh, I I really need a brand new couch instead of this futon that I've taken with me from home to college and now my first apartment. And so what did I want to do? Well, I wanted to open a credit card so that I could get that couch because I couldn't afford it. That mixed message was there in my own head that I was telling myself. But these mixed messages continue. I mean, just think of it. I'm sure you can come up with your example. Perhaps you're married or within your own family, right? Um, What's that mixed message of, honey, why do you have to work so many hours? I know it's overtime, but we really want you home. And then in the next breath, it's, oh, I can't wait until we can finally get new carpet in here. Do you hear the mixed message, though? I don't want you to work the long hours so you can be home, but work the long hours so we can have new things, the things we really want. Do you want the time together or do you want the things? We even send mixed messages to God. God, thank you. Thank you for what I have, for what you've provided for me. Thank you for my home and my family and my church. And then what? Within five minutes, We find ourselves grumbling. Oh, this air conditioner, why won't it work right in my house? Oh my goodness, here I am at the grocery store, but they don't have that thing that I really wanted because I really wanted it to do this for that recipe. Where is our gratitude? Why are we sending mixed messages? Where is our gratitude for the home that even though the air conditioning might not be working perfectly, still allows our homes to be cooler than it is outside? Where is our gratitude for being able to get in a vehicle that takes us to a grocery store that is full of food, even if it's not the exact thing you were hoping for? Because God... We thank you that we have homes, that we have shelter, that we have the ability to to get to a grocery store that has more than prepackaged foods, that is less than half an hour away, perhaps, less than an hour away. There are so many things that we need to remind ourselves to be grateful for. But we find ourselves in this life of comparison, in this life of mixed messages. And Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul says that it doesn't matter if he finds himself in need 
if he finds himself hungry or satisfied, he knows that he can do all things through him who strengthens him. One of the most real examples for me that I identify with and that I recall often is that of my grandparents. When my grandfather returned from the war, they had both had jobs. But of course, they started a family quickly. And so, while my grandmother stayed home, my grandfather worked. And he worked all his years for one company, trusting, knowing that they were putting the money into his pension that he would receive when he retired. When he retired, he was told he would only receive a third of the pension he had been promised. He had trusted. He, he was counting on. They had plans of what they wanted to do once he retired, where they would go and how they would spend their time, the things they wanted to do and be about. And instead of, well, I'm sure they had some private conversations I wasn't privy to. But instead of complaining, instead of taking those circumstances and allowing themselves to be caught up in comparison, they sold their home, they got a little rent-controlled apartment, made it a beautiful place to live, and because of those decisions, they were able to do most of the things that they had wanted to do. Most of the things, including spending time with their family, traveling to see friends, and all the while giving thanks to God. They didn't allow what was or should or could have been to derail their gratitude, to keep them from thanking God. Because you see, it's not a, it's not a way, it's not a, a way of thinking, right? It's not an, an, an attitude that you, that you think it's really about the heart. It's really about a matter of outlook. So it wasn't that they had everything in the way they wanted it and so they could be happy. But instead, they knew the one who continued to provide. Who They knew the one who strengthened them even in what could have been a, a tremendous disappointment. They gave thanks, not only when we gathered at the dinner table, but they were always speaking their gratitude for who God was, for what God had done, and how God had blessed them. Even in the midst of every conversation they had, what does it mean then to really be able to say that we're content? Have, have you thought about that lately? Have you, have you asked yourself the question, am I content? Let's do it. Go ahead. Are you content? Take this moment. Think about it. What is robbing your contentment?
What is keeping you from being able to say with Paul, whatever the circumstances, I am content, satisfied, even tickled pink. So go ahead. As you think about this, what are the things that you need to be grateful for, that you need to acknowledge and actually thank God for? You know, gratitude is a powerful thing, and it has a way of changing our outlook, changing our perspective. So I'm issuing a challenge. I'm issuing a challenge that for the next 30 days, we would list three things that we're grateful for. 30 days, three things that you're grateful for. Do it right now, especially if you're there on Facebook in the chat. Type in three things that you're grateful for. I'll go, I'll, I'll go two. Three things that I'm grateful for. I had three things an hour ago. So what am I grateful for now? I'm grateful for a cool place to be on a very hot day. I am grateful for a media director who works his tail off so that we can worship together. I am grateful that when I go home, I am going to have two dogs and two cats who will literally greet me at the door because they will be happy to see me. What are three things that you're grateful for today at this moment? And now I don't know where you'll want to do this, but for the next 30 days, I want you to write out, maybe on a post-it, maybe in a journal, maybe you even want to go so far as posting it on your social media. I'm not going to lie. I've stole this from a colleague. She did this for a while, and it became something that she did every day for over a year she would share three things that she was grateful for because our gratitude transforms our heart. And like Paul, it allows us to learn to be content whatever the circumstances. Because God is the one who allows us to find strength in Christ, right? It is God who has provided that for us. Nothing is impossible for our God. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter what is known or unknown. I think we need to take some time to remind ourselves of the great God that we serve and the great things that he has done in our lives even today. So that in a week, two weeks, four weeks, we will say with confidence, I am just tickled pink. Life is good because of the God that I love and that loves me. This is your challenge. 30 days, three things every day. Contentment is yours 
in Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray that this challenge, that we would take it seriously and that we would actively participate in speaking gratitude to you, God, for the things that we encounter, experience, have in our lives. Because it is our desire to say with Paul, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance, and I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen.